Welcome to the Business of Family. I'm your host, Mike Boyd, and this is my look into the world of multi-generational wealth creation, family enterprise, stewardship, family office investing, and the curation of a legacy. On the podcast, I interview members of some of the world's most interesting families to hear how they pass knowledge, resources, values, and wealth to the next generation. I hope you will enjoy sharing this learning journey with me and would greatly appreciate any feedback or referrals you have to offer. To sign up to my weekly Business of Family newsletter, go to businessoffamily.net forward slash newsletter. Juan Carlos Salame's family business began in Ecuador in 1944. Domingo Salame, his grandfather, began selling prepaid vouchers at the local market so his customers could buy products at different stores and then later pay Mr. Salame in installments. A revolutionary idea that many decades later evolved into what we know today as credit cards. He later put in place a retail shop to sell the products himself, and over the next generation and into the third generation, the business has grown into a corporation with over 70 stores in Ecuador and a strong e-commerce presence. The business model focuses on financing products to a population, many of whom do not have a credit history. Juan Carlos and his brother have taken over the family business in the last few years, putting in place technology systems and curating an innovative culture. Juan Carlos, it is fantastic to have you with us on the show this week. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, Matt. I love your story. We've had a pre-conversation to to understand this, and I can't wait to share it with the audience. Can you take us back to where your family business started? I believe it was your grandfather. And help us understand the origins of where this very interesting family business story begins. Sure. Uh, Well, yes, it, it was my grandfather in in Ecuador uh, back in 1944. Uh, He began selling some coupons which allow the the customers to pay in installments while they buy like in cash in in different stores in in the city. Then he realized that there was an opportunity to go and import those products himself. Uh, So he opened a store to sell those products in installments, uh, which grew in the next years. Then uh, my, my father took over the business in the late 70s, and he was the one who, who made it grow from like one or two stores to around 70, and obviously uh, expanded the portfolio of, of, of products. So in the very beginning, these coupons, they were effectively a coupon to buy a multitude of different products across various stores. Was he act- effectively acting as a, some sort of provider of credit? Yes, that, that was it. Like we're talking about mid forties, so the whole uh, idea of credit was not widely used, and and it was very innovative for for the time. And so, what sort of goods were people using this credit for, or the coupons for? And then you talk about getting into retail stores. What sort of goods did the family get into, and ultimately build a network of stores around? For what I have seen from the old pictures that are now hanging on, on, on the headquarters, and, and it's very interesting to see, you know, the, the products that people used to buy. It was mostly furniture, uh, some, you know, lining uh, fixings, and then uh, it evolved to uh, uh, consumer electronics. Let's say like from the 70s, 80s and 90s, it, then it, it, it was mostly TVs and, and white goods, uh, appliances. 
And now we're doing like, you know, a bunch of stuff, everything relying on, on the credit. Interesting. Okay. So, so how the business started around the coupon model is still what's in operation today or something similar. Is, is that what you're saying? Yes, we, we, we provide our own credit. We, we assess the credit from the customers and then we collect, right? And, and we're targeting those customers that probably, you know, the bank system uh, don't give them credit, probably because, or they are not credit worthy or they don't have a credit history to support them. So that's how we assess uh, their chances of, of paying us back and, and we give out the credit. Like we, we fulfill a, a space in the market that do not exist. Uh, we end, and we have other, you know, competition in the market that is doing a, a similar job. Interesting, interesting. So these are effectively customers who don't have access to a credit card, have likely never had one, but need to buy a, a white good, which is a otherwise lumpy purchase that they, they wouldn't have the cash for. Is that a fair ass- assessment? Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Interesting. Okay. And so your father then expanded this business over a period of years to, did you say a footprint of 70 stores today? Yeah, we reached uh, a couple of years ago, around 70 stores, ranging from physical stores that sell, you know, the the consumer electronics and the white goods. Then we also had a branch that sells only motorcycles. A few years ago, we, we got into the business of assembling and selling motorcycles. So we have some specialized stores uh, that sell uh, motorcycles. Nowadays, our biggest uh, channel is actually e-commerce, which is doing pretty, pretty well, especially, uh, you know, uh, after last year that uh, people, you know, were looking for other options of, of, of buying their things because they didn't want to go out to the shopping malls or, or the street. Absolutely. So did the did the share of business for e-commerce expand rapidly last year? Did you have to close stores in Ecuador? Yes. Uh, e-commerce was actually my, my first job in 2003 when I came back to, to the business. So it's, it's very close to my heart. Uh, and we were very uh, innovative locally in, in, in our e-commerce sales, uh, in the e-commerce channel first, selling to the people who, who, who were living outside Ecuador. Like, they were buying uh, through their webpage. They were buying buying stuff for their family here in the in, in the country in Ecuador. Uh, but nowadays we are selling, you know, for people who, who are living here in, in the in the different cities of the country. Uh, and yes, uh, last year we were actually already selling pretty well. Uh, but last year, uh, around May and June, when uh, many stores we had uh, our stores closed for two months because of the government restrictions. And for many people, the, the only options they had was, you know, buying online. And, and luckily we, we were prepared for that and, and we did pretty well. And, and most of them have, have uh, kept that, that way of, of buying. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you had that as a backup option because I can imagine retail would have been pretty, pretty difficult in those shutdowns. I want to get into how you got into the business, but before I do, I'm curious about the motorcycles. Can we take a step back there? I want to understand how the family uh, went from white goods and appliances and other sort of home furnishings to motorcycles. It seems like a, a strange departure. Is there a story behind that? Well, it's, it kind of makes sense. Uh, probably it's true that it's our uh, biggest ticket item right now, but it's part of what you know the family needs for uh, their home. You live in Asia, you see how people probably they cannot afford to, to buy a car and, and they buy a motorcycle. 
And, and here in Latin America, it's, it's pretty similar. So uh, they cannot pay cash uh, because it's, it's a big ticket item, but they can pay installments. So we, have, we provide our own credit and, and they buy the, the motorcycle. So if you go to one of our stores, you would see you know, the motorcycles right next to the TVs and the, and the white goods and, and, the, and the cell phones. Very interesting. And it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. All right. So help me understand your third generation. And I think you mentioned your brother in the business as well. How did you come to join the family business? Was that a predetermined path? Were you always going to join or was there an expectation? Uh, How did it actually come to fruition? You could say there was an expectation. We were never forced to, to come to the business, but you know, from, from an early age, I think uh, how it happens with, with several family businesses, uh, you, you go and, and do like small tasks with your father and, and you begin having, you know, experimenting the, the whole family business environment. And in our case, I would say it was pretty much the same. I studied business from an early age. My brother did too. So after I graduated from the U.S., for studying business, I came back to Creditos Economicos, which is the name of, of the company in, in 2003. And, and there I had the chance to work in, in different areas. Being e-commerce, the first one, then I, I switched to, uh, to the call center. I switched to our credit card, which is the one that, that gives credit. Uh, I also did some logistics. Like I was able to be exposed to different areas of, of the business, which I, I found to be very very fun and, 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 and which has helped me a lot. And then uh, after four years of, of working in, with my father, I decided to apply for an MBA. Okay. And so you studied in the US, then you applied for an MBA. Was that back in the US as well? Yes. Uh, I, I, I wanted to go back to the US. This time I went to, to the Kellogg School in, in Evanston. I was newly married at the time and, and had a small child. So it was a, a, a very interesting experience to be, you know, a, a totally switch, a change of life, of lifestyle, you know, being a student with a, with a small kid and, and a wife. So that was, that took us like two years. And, and I, I didn't want to go back to the family business at, at that time. So I, I applied for a job in Chicago and I worked for another year doing telecom in Chicago. And after uh, uh, a couple of uh, cold winters, uh, my, my wife and I decided to, that we wanted to come back to, to the country, to Ecuador. So at that point, uh, again, because my work relationship with my father was not the best uh, when, when I applied to, to Kellogg, uh, I didn't want to go back to the family business and I, I wanted to do something uh, different. I have always liked entrepreneurship. I have always liked, you know, the e-commerce uh, side of it. So doing some research, uh, I found out that there was a, a new business model uh, doing pretty well in, in the in worldwide, actually, uh, which was like uh, the, the coupon selling through e-commerce. Uh, like uh, probably the, the most renowned brand was uh, Groupon at that time. There, there was no one doing that in, in Ecuador. So I, I was able to get some funding from friends and family and, and brought that business back to, to, to the city here in, in Ecuador, which did pretty well uh, the first couple of years. We expanded from my city, Guayaquil, to Quito. And after it was, it was funny because after a couple of years, my, my father actually called me back to, 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 to return to the business. To the family business. Yes, exactly. I was, I was happy doing what I was doing. Obviously, it was not easy 
managing your own business. And, and that's something I, you know, from where I have learned a lot. I was uh, doing everything from, you know, sales, marketing, taxes, accounting, you name it. Especially in our countries, uh, being an entrepreneur is not easy, right? You have to, 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 to fight with a, a lot of obstacles. So my father called me back to the business. Uh, I, I, I accepted. I went to manage the, the supply chain side of the business, which for me was new. Again, a, a great learning opportunity. But after uh, approximately a, a year of, of working with him, uh, I decided to I better prioritize the, the, the family relationship over the, the work relationship and I quit it. Oh, interesting. So let me jump in because th- this is interesting. You had previously left to go and study in the US because it was already uh, not sitting well, but your father still asked you to come back. So you were still on reasonable terms by the sounds of it. And did he ask you to come back because he needed help or because he was looking to transition? What were the circumstances around that? And obviously your headspace going from running your startup to transitioning back into the family business. Yes, I think it was a little bit of both. Like we knew that at the end of, of, of the story, I would end up working at the family business. Uh, it was just my brother and I, and, and we, we like it. Like it's not that we didn't want to work there. It's just that we like our relationship was not the best. And it was smarter to, to go and, and probably it was not the right time, you, you could say. But we, we were still trying, right? At that time, we had a, a board in place that supposedly should help us, would help us to, to go and, and fix anything that need, needed to be fixed to, to go back and work together. But my, my father was still very active. And my probably part of my, my personality is always to, to also be very active and, and be outspoken to what I, I thought it needed to, to change or not. And that's where we butted heads a lot. So um, at the end of the day, uh, we said, well, probably it's not the right time yet. And at that point, I went back to my uh, e-commerce startup that I didn't close because I thought it, it, there was a chance that things wouldn't work okay. So I said goodbye for the second time and, and came back to my e-commerce startup. Uh, it was two, uh, 2015, I, I believe. Wow. Okay. And I love that, um, you know, just going back a, a moment, I love that you started an e-commerce business selling coupons online after your grandfather started selling coupons in 1944. <laughs> There's a nice similarity there. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? You go back in and ran the startup. Uh, I mean, I'm talking to you today as the third gen uh, leader or one of the leaders of your family business. So do you go back a third time? How does this story play out? Yeah, so there was a, a third opportunity. Uh, after uh, a couple of years, uh, after that episode, there was a consulting company that came to the business to do like an overall assessment. And part of that assessment was, you know, like the org chart and, and transitioning. And they, they realized that there were a few areas of the business that needed help and needed like a strong leadership. One of those was uh, actually the motorcycle assembly plant. Another one was e-commerce, which I had a lot of uh, experience already. Another one was the uh, post-sale, you know, the repairing installments of, 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 the, of what we sold. And there was a new one uh, that was focused on selling insurance on our goods. So uh, they said, you know what, there's an opportunity for you to come back for the third time 
And, and I said it probably was the right time again. But now with the previous experience, I, I was able to talk over with, with my father, with the board, and ask for a couple of, of I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say requirements, but some conditions that I thought it would uh, increase the, our chances of being successful, right? One was having a, a new board member who should have uh, experience on, on family business and how to deal with, with these issues. Uh, the second one was to not to report directly to my father, but uh, to look for, to report to, to the board, right? It was not easy, but at the end of the day, we decided to, to take the chance and, and it, it had to work pretty well. So your father didn't step back when you joined the business. You came in and, and were working alongside him in a couple of those key areas in the business, but you were still reporting effectively around him directly to the board. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Like we, we have been talking about transitioning like in the, for the last 10 years, but it, has, it had never materialized. Probably in the last three, four years, we have, you know, landed a very concrete plan for transitioning together with the board member, which I told you we, we were going to look for, uh, who would facilitate all these, uh, you know, relationship dynamics. So uh, nowadays, my father is still involved in the business, but in a very macro way. Uh, my brother and I are in charge of, of the day-to-day operations. My brother is more uh, focused on the uh, commercial side of the business, you know, marketing, sales, uh, and I'm more on the uh, back office, let's say, side of the business, which uh, entails the, the finance and, and the accounting and technology, uh, logistics, uh, etc. And can I ask about the relationship that you have with your brother? Because this conversation started with a strange relationship with your father, because it sounds like the two of you were very similar. What's it like working with your brother? It's it's great. <laughs> we are we are different. We we are, we are very different. We I think we, we complement each other on, on a very effective way. He's uh, I would say he's more a, he has more of a diplomatic personality dealing with with stuff. Uh, I'm more like the, the more direct with my communication and 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 you know uh, when talking to people. So, but at the at the end of the day, we have a different leadership styles, but we complement each other very well. Fantastic. And what would you say are the biggest uh, changes that have been made since you and your brother have taken the large majority of of the leadership within the business? I know your father's still there, but what changes have you been able to implement? And I guess as a follow-up question to that, what has been difficult to change? Let's say first, uh, on the people side, we knew that we had to make a transition or, or a change in, in the culture, right? Uh, you know, my, my father had been working with very loyal managers for a long time, but they, I think that that repeats itself a lot in, in, in different family businesses and, and that needed to be changed. Uh, we needed to, to change the culture. Like we needed to attract new talent. And as I said, I, I was very interested in entrepreneurship. So we, we were able to uh, implement a lot of, of intrapreneurship uh, projects within the company. A lot of people had to, to leave. A lot of uh, more antique managers uh, were leaving and we were incorporating uh, new talent, right? More interested or, or more aligned with what we wanted to, to transform the company into. Uh, actually, also like bringing experience from different industries, which would diversify the way, uh, the different perspective and how we approach uh, the different problems. 
so what was that, the culture? Like uh, now I think we have a very different culture from what we had uh, probably five or six years ago uh, in a good way. A second, uh, in terms of, of the industry itself, you know, retail, it's, it's very dynamic and it's changing on, on a daily basis. So we were able with, with this team to go and adapt and expand into new channels, into new ways of, of, of doing things, right? I would c- consider ourselves to be uh, primarily locally uh, leaders in, in how we approach retail and, and our vision of how retail should work in the future in, in, in our uh, country. And what has been different, difficult to change? Let's see. Uh, the culture has its good way, like its good side and, and the bad side. Let's say we, we're still uh, very aligned with our original values and we don't want to change that, right? Uh, because that, th- those were actually the same values that my grandfather put in front when he, when he was selling the, the coupons, selling installments in, in the market in 1944. So we have been very loyal to that. But, but again, we think that some people, especially people who have been with the business for a long time are some sometimes stuck with the old ways of doing things and, and that's a natural process that we, we have to to be to change and and, and that's fine and we, we know that that's that change is not nothing that's going to take place from one day to another and and, and it's, it takes years but I think we're in a, in, a, in the right path as I listen to you tell this story I can imagine there's a lot of next gen. Uh, members of family businesses listening to this right now that probably are, are looking for the courage to make similar sorts of innovative changes from their perspective in their own family businesses. Did you get in there and, and make some drastic changes quickly with your brother or was this all very gradual and taking people on the journey? Because I hear what you're saying about you know some staff members that had been there a long time needed to move on because they couldn't adapt to the culture. And then others have obviously held on and transitioned with you. Any advice for people listening that that are maybe going to follow a similar path from what you learned in, in doing that yourself? Well, how, how to do it is probably something that I have gained with experience being a more mature professional, right? You know, I'm, I'm, as I told you, I'm, I'm very direct. I, you know, I want, I want to make changes for yesterday. And at the beginning, that probably didn't play well. And on my, on my previous stays in the company. And, and that's something I, I realized I needed to, to change to be probably a little bit more strategic to how I approach, you know, a change. So uh, first, uh, I, I try to work with the people we have right now. My first intention is, is not to come to, to, to go into, into some area and, and make changes right away or, you know, churn people. I hope and, and I do my best to make things work with what we have and leverage the, the experience they have. If that doesn't work, well, I look for how to persuade them to, to make the changes themselves. If not, a, I look for, for someone who would, right? So I, I try to, to take several steps and, and probably something that I would have, I, I would have liked to transform in, in a couple of months. I, now I know that it might take a year or so, but it's better for the company. It's better for, for the culture overall. And, and that sends a message to the whole company because they know that that we are in a different path that we were uh, a few years ago. And so everyone has to adapt, right? Have to adapt of, of the new ways of, of doing business. And, and they know that if, if they don't feel comfortable uh, dealing with that change, uh, there are other, other uh, places probably for them. Yeah, excellent answer. So that's how the business has evolved and transitioned. I'm curious to go back now to the board. You mentioned that one of your conditions was a new board member that was 
familiar with family business or perhaps a family business consultant. Has that board member actually guided uh, the family in getting some real structure in place from a governance perspective or helped the business transition? What role have they played and, and what have you managed to achieve in the last few years? Going back a little bit before that, we already have, had a protocol, right? Probably that pro- family protocol, it's 15 years old, right? And it's right there and someday we'll have to revise it. But it's, it's, we had, that was our first step many, many years ago. Then we decided to put in place a board, right? And we, we have had a board, a very good board with external executives for, for the last 10 years, I believe. But at the beginning, that board didn't have a, necessarily a, a focus or, or, a pers- or didn't incorporate a perspective on how to deal with family issues, right? It's more, it was more of a financial, you know, a strategic board. And this is the operating company's board? Yeah. This is the, the actual, it's not a family board, it's a company board. No, it's, it's a company board. We, we, we meet every month. So uh, when we brought this person who's an MBA professor, like who specializes in management and, and gives out family business classes, so he knows a lot. First, we worked together with him on a plan, on a transition plan. And, and he was in between, let's say, my, my father as a chairman of the board and my brother and I. So he was in between as a bridge to, to mediate on, on how to, to get into a, into a consensus. And once we, we landed a plan, a transition plan, and, and the, conditions, the conditions we needed to, to comply to, 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 you know, to advance to, to different steps in the plan, uh, he was uh, here uh, and the board uh, were the ones uh, making sure that that plan uh, happened. And, and that was the, the best, probably one of the best decisions we made. And the plan that was supposed to take three years, now it's, it's been like five years. But we, the, the good thing is that we are, we are advancing. And, and, and I think that, I believe that for 2021, probably that plan, it's, it's going to be over. And we would have, uh, you know, landed every, every point in that, in that plan. That's fantastic to hear. What sort of things came up in discussing transition? Because it's a broad topic. You know, having this person in the middle to mediate conversations is obviously very helpful. Did that concern things like, remuneration for each of the members or titles within the business areas of responsibility, your father letting go or, or transitioning, uh, you know, and please only answer anything that you're comfortable with. But I'm just curious the types of conversations that you've had and had to go through as a family in order to come as far as you have in the last five years. I think it was more of a matter of when we were ready or when we were not ready to, to go and advance in that plan. I believe that happens again in, in different families, but the father believes that the, the children are always the children and they are not ready to take on new challenges, right? And, and that's fine. And, and that's how I guess people usually think, and probably I, I'm going to be thinking the same about my kids in, in a few years. So we had to somehow convince our father and the board overall that we were ready to take on a new, new challenges and, and new responsibilities. And for us, luckily, the results have happened, and, and that has have helped us to go and, and go on with, with the different stages of, of the plan, right? Because if we would have gone into, let's say, a, a, new, a new responsibility, a new position, and, and we had failed, probably, you know, that would have taken more time. But uh, we ha- I think my brother and I have done a good job, you know, tackling every, 
every step of the plan and, and, and making sure that everyone feels comfortable in where we are now. You mentioned your children. I'm curious, is there a multi-generational plan in place, whether it's mentioned in that family protocol or, or otherwise just assumed? Uh, do you hope that your children join the business one day? I sure hope that my children and, and my nephews join the, the business one day. Uh, it's up to them. We have the protocol, but as I told you, the protocol is 15 years ago, 15 years old. We, we made it 15 years ago, approximately. So I, I know that's a pending uh, task that I have with my brother, probably in a few years to, to uh, update, revise and update that, that plan to see if it still applies to where we are now, right, as a family. But we have something written, and, and I think that's, that's the first step. Oh, you're more than halfway in, in getting that far. So it's a great starting point. Can I ask, even just from memory, I know it's a long time ago, but what sort of things did you include in the family protocol? Is that values and vision statements or is it more specific, tangible items about uh, ownership and control? I think it has a, a, all of the things you mentioned, right? It begins with the values and the, the context of, of the family, of, of what, we, what we want to keep on uh, regardless of, of who, who's you know, owning or leading the family. Uh, then it talks about the board. At, at that time, we didn't have a board, so uh, it, it made clear some rules of how it should should the board work, what decisions it can make and which decisions it cannot make. And then I probably the most important part of, of the family protocol is how to manage the inclusion of new family members into the business, uh, how to manage the inclusion of political family members into, into the business, right? Uh, which can, at some point, if, if you don't have that uh, on paper, it, it can open up uh, fights or, or uncomfortable conversations. So uh, we have already something in place in, in that sense of how to deal with changes. And, and if someone wants to work with the family business, what are the requirements that that person uh, needs to comply? And, and that's what I remember from, from, from that document that it's kind of all right now. Uh, you've done well. Thank you. <laughs> I'm curious whether or not there's been any interesting transitions in the past. So did the business pass naturally from your grandfather to your father or were there issues around succession there that they had to explore at the second generation as well? Funny, but like history repeats itself. When my, my father transitioned into the business in, in the late 70s, he was not getting along with my grandfather. But the reason, the reason why he went into the business was because my grandfather was having some medical issues. So the doctor told him that he couldn't go undergo a stress anymore. So again, he talked he talked with my father, and, and they decided to to go on with that transition. So and at that point, uh, I, I believe it was 1979, uh, my father took over the business almost completely, and and that's different from what we are doing right now because the good part of of, of how we are working with with the transition now is that we're still exposed to to my father and, and, and learning from from what. He does right. It, it was not as abrupt as it was between my grandfather and my father uh, three decades ago. It's an interesting point. I was going to ask you how you have gained your knowledge and experience. Obviously, you've had a wonderful education at Kellogg and the opportunity to study in the US. But every family business is unique in the way it operates and in the relationships that are involved. How have you learned and grown? on your journey? 
from different sources, right? Obviously, the, the academic part, it's, it's an important one. You have to begin somewhere. I, I would say there's, there's two that I value the most. Uh, probably the one that I value the most was uh, beginning my own business, founding a startup, being exposed to obstacles and, and solving them yourself. That's something I, I, I hold very close to my heart. And I think that that has uh, been a, a great learning opportunity. And that's something I would recommend. I'm going to recommend to my children and, and to whoever plans to, to, to go and, and give the business to, to their children. And the second one, I try to be exposed to different industries through uh, different boards. I, I actively participate in, in different boards nowadays. So it's not only a, a great network opportunity, but also a, a great way to, to be exposed to, to high rank uh, executive and, and learn from how different people think and how those people uh, approach problems in a different way as probably you or your family would, would, would go about it. You mentioned your startup. I don't think we finished that story. So you had, had founded the company, then left to go back to the family business, but kept it running on the side ultimately transitioned back to the startup and then back to the family business. So where is it in, in all of this? The last time I went back to my family, this is the third time. Uh, I still had, as, as you said, the, the startup running on the side, probably for a, a year uh, more. But my time at that point was very devoted to the family business. I didn't have the, the time or, re, or the resources to reinvest in the startup. And it was, since it, it was a technolo- technology startup, you know that they, they are constantly needing resources and money to, to keep up the pace of, 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 of the changes that needed to be made. So I, I had to be honest with myself and said, you know what? Now I think I'm 100% committed to the family business. I don't have the time to devote to the startup. So I decided to, to close it. It sounds like there was a lot of transferable knowledge, experience, and skills from e-commerce that you brought straight into the family business as well. Sure. One of, my, of, of those first areas that I had to manage on, on my third uh, return to, to the business was e-commerce. And it, it was very useful to, from what I had learned from, from, the, from the contacts I was able to, to collect from my previous experience to, to apply them to, to the e-commerce site that Let's let use that, that as an example. Like I went into e-commerce, I, I had to change the whole team. I had to rehire pretty much everyone, change the processes. At the beginning, my father was not, did not agree with that, right? But I had to say, well, it's up to me. Trust me. I know it's the best for, for the business. Uh, he, he trusted the people who were before. I, ha- I had to go and, and change pretty much everything, invest in, in redesigning the page, uh, getting new products, uh, redesigning the strategy of, of the e-commerce. And, and now it's, it's our number one channel. Uh, like if it were a story, it would be the, the number one, right? So we're, it's doing pretty well. Incredible. Well done. Well done. I was going to ask, what's the most worthwhile investment you've ever made, whether it was financial or, or uh, an investment of time or energy? It sounds like that one might be up there in terms of uh, something that worked out well. Yeah, that, that, that worked pretty well too. But uh, I, I would say I, I'd rather talk about something I'm trying to invest right now, which is time with my children. I, you know, from my experience, I acknowledge that uh, probably that's one of the things that have the, the better return. Not only if you're going to go to the family business with your children, 
but just to have a sane uh, family relationship. So although I'm, I'm, I'm very busy nowadays, I, I try to devote uh, some time during the weekday, and especially in the weekends with my children and, and talk to them, communicate, uh, see what's going on with their lives. And I know that's going to have a, a great payoff in the next years. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I, I'm curious if there was any values or lessons uh, or traditions that your parents instilled in you that you're now um, find valuable and, and passing on to your children. I would say to be respectful of, of everyone, regardless of, of their position, their role, what they do with their lives. That that would be one. Uh, second would be to be a uh, to, to be very low profile, you know, profile with your life, with your business, trying uh, humility in that sense. That's, I think that's what we would consider like part of the, of the family values, right? And, and that's something I try to, to also teach, to teach my, my kids. And what about family keepsakes or history? You know, I, I love speaking to families that are generational about how they keep the stories alive, how they pass the, the, uh, the storytelling down from generation to generation. Does your family invest in anything intentionally to try and document its history? We didn't used to do that uh, very actively. Uh, however, now the company, it's, it's today 77 years old, right? Uh, and when we uh, were going to be 75, uh, two years ago, we decided to assemble a book, a book that would you know, tell the story of the family business, tell the story of the family, and speak about what we would envision uh, in the future of, of the business. So that was a, a great opportunity to, to get together with my with my family, uh, my grandmother was still alive back then. She used to be the wife of Domingo, my, the person who founded the business. So together with her, with my, with my aunt, we collected pictures uh, about the family, about, about the business. Uh, some of them made it to the book. So uh, that was a, a nice opportunity to, to live again the, the, the story of the business uh, together with my late grandmother. Incredible. I'm so glad that you captured those stories when you had the opportunity to. I'm curious on this transition that you've been through in and out of the family business and then ultimately sort of taking a punt and really transforming different areas within it. What belief or behavior have you changed or most improved over the last, say, five years? Have you had a complete change of uh, perspective or something that you've learned the most in going through this growth yourself? Uh, one was, uh, as, uh, as I mentioned, to, to be very strategic about you go, you, how you go about change. When, when you, you, know, you go out of college, you, you have a lot of energy and you want to make changes in a very drastic matter. Now you realize that probably that's not the best way and, and you go through a step-by-step, more strategic manner of, of trying to, to build up to, to that change. That is one. The other one, I think it's communication, uh, having a, a transparent, direct communication with uh, first with, with your people, with your employees, how things are going with the business. Last year, with, with the COVID, uh, with the COVID situation, uh, we we had constant communication with everyone, so they would know how how, how we were doing, how we were uh, approaching uh, the different issues. We had to to fire uh, many people because of. of because we were we had our stores closed, so I think that 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 was 
a good idea to have type of constant interaction and communication with employees. And in, in that same sense, uh, a great communication with your family. For instance, uh, we have instituted with my, with my mother and my father uh, weekly meetings. Uh, with my mother, uh, we meet with her uh, every, we had breakfast, breakfast with her every Tuesday, my brother and I, just to talk about, you know, family matters. And with my father, uh, we have a, a weekly meeting uh, as well with my brother and, and to talk about the business uh, issues. And, and, and so he can be updated on, on how we're dealing with the different things that come up uh, in Credos Economicos. So having that constant and direct communication, I think, keep, keeps us very sane and, 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 and very open to, to what we are facing uh, with, with the business and the family. That's a fantastic idea. I love the concept of the weekly meetings. Did that come out of necessity or by experimentation, or did someone just have an idea one day and, and you started? In the case of my mother, well, you know, mothers eh, like to be close to their children. So she, she a, a couple of years ago, she said, you know what, eh, guys, come over eh, and have breakfast with me and let's talk about things. And, and that's how we are doing it. Uh, in the case of my father, before last year, uh, he used to go to the office more often. So we, we would have uh, meetings on a more constant manner. But after the, the COVID, he's not going to, to physically to the office uh, as often. So he said, hey, I need to know about things. I, I need to please tell me how, how things are going. So that's how we came up with, with just going to his house and, and, and talking about keeping him updated and and discussing any issues that would have come up in, in that week with him. That's excellent. Now, this is a big, broad question. I hope you don't mind me asking it. But what would you say is your legacy? Uh, I would like to say what I would like to be, what the, my legacy to be, because I think I'm still working on that. And again, my, my grandfather founded the business. My father grew it, I don't know, a hundredfold. And now, uh, number one, I think, with my brother, we, we have the responsibility to, to keep it alive, right? Uh, first, to, to grow it even bigger. But more than that, I think we have the responsibility to diversify the business, to diversify the corporation, uh, looking for, for new business opportunities, uh, new industries that may be aligned to what we are doing now or, or probably something totally different, right? So we, we are having constant conversations with my father on, well, what, what would be the next step, the natural step for, for our business to because we, we import goods and we finance goods. That not like in, in, a, in a country like the one we live in that has, you know, different changes and, and, and you need to be diversified and, and try to mitigate the risk of, of, of the country itself. So that's how we are trying to approach our, our next years into the future. Now, Juan Carlos, it's time for our final question. And you may have heard that I've asked this question to every guest that's been on the show. Imagine you're writing a letter to your children. What is one lesson or idea that you don't think many parents would mention, but you consider important to understand? Sure. Uh, well, I would say, you know, I have uh, my, my older kid is 13 years old, so I'm, I'm on a learning mode every day. First, uh, I tell him to look for what he wants to do in life, something that he would enjoy, number one, and, and second, something that would add value to the world, right? So if he can find something that would comply with those two requirements, that would be great for him and would make him happy. I'm not forcing him to go back to the family business. He, 
if he in the future finds that's the right spot for him, I would be more than happy, but that's not, you know, what I'm forcing him to do. And also to make the best effort in, in what he's doing, uh, to try to be the best in what he's doing. It can be the studies, it can be sports, it, it can be uh, work in the future, but always try to do his best, right? That would make me happy. And, and, and I think that as a, as a father, uh, that would uh, fulfill my, 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 my duty. That in terms of like, like the kids and, 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 the, and his, his or her first years, and as they go into the professional years, uh, I, I would seriously encourage anyone to look for a mentor in, at an early stage that will help, will help them to guide through the different opportunities that they, they would face in, in their lives, right? And, and then, uh, uh, again, as, as, as I previously said, I would encourage anyone to probably in their 20s or early 30s to fund their own business, uh, especially if they want to be like a CEO and, and they, they'll have to quickly learn about different areas and, and fail on a, on a smaller scale. Founding your, your own business, it, it's like a three MBAs in one. So that's something I would encourage anyone to do if they plan to someday be a, 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 probably a, a CEO of a bigger company. Absolutely. And some terrific lessons there. Thank you so much for generously sharing your story as transparently as you have. I'm sure it's going to be incredibly valuable to everyone listening. Thanks again for being here. No, thank you, Mike, for for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. To find more episodes of the Business of Family podcast, go to businessoffamily.net. You can also sign up for my email list at businessoffamily.net forward slash newsletter. After you sign up, you'll receive immediate access to all past issues and then one email per week. You can also follow me on Twitter using at Mike Boyd. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend or leave a quick review on iTunes, which will help more people discover the business of family. Thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.